Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Phantom Talk. As you know, we here at the Phantom Correspondents typically have our finger on the pulse when it comes to certain things. So obviously you would assume that this would be a Doctor Strange or Moon Knight podcast. However, something far more important than both of those <laughs> is happening today. Today, May 16th, 2022, in the year of our Lord, <clears throat> is the 20th anniversary of Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. And because I am who I am, I have forced uh, three of the fandom correspondents into re-watching this film and doing this podcast with me. Um, Alyssa uh, is basically just like the Sifo-Dyas storyline and is like, I'm not going to be part of this for any longer than I have to and is not on this podcast. Nice. She uh, might be the smartest of, of the four of us, on, or the five of us, really. Um, so now, you've got, now you have to discuss which part of the storyline all of us are, then. Yeah. If Alyssa got oh man, I didn't even think. Okay, all right, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come up with that on the spot. That's that, that's happening. But just a uh, go ahead and do little intros here. Uh, you all know my voice. I am the editor in chief here, Jacob Vance Hardesty. We also have with us the number one Dexter Jester fan in the world, mm. the Y Sage, Josh. Ooh. Josh, how you doing, man? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like that. Dexter Jester, mm. the action figure, yes, came with a vibroax. He did. He did. The vibroax is what you might know as the weapon of the Gamorrean guards. Mm -hmm. Dexter Jester in this movie runs a 50s diner. Yes. Yes, he does. So all those things are weird. Every little sentence I said was as weird as a giant cow in a trailer. I, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. It was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> We also have with us. No <laughs> <laughs> way to bring that one home. <laughs> we also have with us the uh, head of the Nexu Adoption Agency, uh, my sister Jenny, better known as Raven. Jenny, how you doing tonight? What? All right, good. <laughs> yeah. A lot of lot of Samalu going on right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, and then we also have the uh, the sultry Soliston himself coming to us from Skype. Al, better known as Red Lanyard. Al, how you doing tonight, man? Uh, I'm doing okay. I I can't, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm fine. I just <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this movie. <laughs> but <I'm gonna laughs> well, we. I have a question for Al, real quick. Oh, Al. Okay. Attack of the Clones or only you? Oh my God! Um, <laughs> probably, uh, probably only you. Can wow. I can I combine can I combine the films to be like the first half of only you, and then from the point where Robert Downey Jr.'s character is obsessed with the shoe, it then transforms into like the last 20 minutes of Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That brings both movies to like, what, a seven maybe? At least, at least. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up, Jenny, actually, because one of the points I was going to make is that um, in the same way that Al pointed out that there is a point in the film of Only You where everything that's said about Robert Downey Jr. has to be said without her consent – 
there's a few moments where a lot of things that have to be said about Anakin Skywalker also have to be said without her consent uh, in this film. So we're gonna we're gonna be jumping into a lot of different things such as that. I think it's the greatest little story ever told. Hmm. <laughs> All right. I, I don't think it's as bad as because mm. no, eventually she's like, ah, it's okay, actually. Yeah, because I mean, Natalie Portman's pretty, pretty. It, it is, I will say this, way more. Um, Into him than she is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But anyway, that's mm. not what we're here to discuss, or maybe it was. It is. Maybe. 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 It is. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> that's well, exactly what we're here to discuss. Entire, no, no, I'm fine with that. That's the what I'm entire saying. premise of this. The entire premise of this film is built around. George Lucas wanting to do a romance in the middle of Star Wars. <laughs> so, like, we have to discuss that. <laughs> okay. I just thought about something, though. What if, and this is going to be really confusing for anyone who hasn't listened to the Only You podcast, what if, like, a Geonosian just came out of nowhere right before they go into the arena and just goes, Do you love me? <laughs> <laughs> I'd give anything. Actually, what I wish you'd done is that big giant cat thing that's awesome and this thing that like uh, well, the, the, the Nexu yeah, yeah. That's what the, 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 the Nexu, oh, Nexu adoption yeah. agency Jenny, yeah. Jenny would want a Nexu I like, like Nexu. He's not awesome. yeah mm-hmm. um, our first question for the night for our first actual topic of discussion so Al is a year older than me and I was around seven years old when, when I first watched this movie okay so to put that in perspective for you, obviously, when you're seven years old and you're just obsessed with Star Wars and comic books and everything else, you know, and you just got done watching Sam Raimi's uh, first Spider-Man film, which one of these films hold up holds up after 20 years. And I'm sorry, Sam, you know, just uh, yeah, that film just doesn't really hold up. But no, no, no one's no one's digging into that bit. OK, um, I I actually thought Al would leave for half a second there, but uh, <laughs> I'm contractually but, obligated to be on this podcast. <laughs> you can't can't resign yet, Al. Yeah. Uh, as, the, as the co-host of the Star Wars show that we do, I kind of have to be here. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. Yeah, this is this is technically like a toss up between the EU or EU review and a fan of flashbacks. So that's kind of interesting. But anyways, so like I said, I was seven when this movie came out. So basically, just this movie was kind of made for me. Just oh, look at all the pretty lightsabers and a lot of colors, a lot of things coming right at you, and then just basically, I can turn. I my little seven year old brain could just kind of turn off and then just be like, "Yay, Star Wars!" Okay. Contrast that <clears throat> with Josh being seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, sixteen, and twelve. Yeah. Okay. So Jenny and Josh would have both watched this movie in theaters, presumably with a little bit more... Um, that's not true. That's, that's not true. true. No, oh. because, well, no, I will tell you, rewatching this reminded me that at 12 years old, I thought this was the pinnacle of cinema, oh. the peak of, like, filmmaking, the golden age of acting. Like, I did. Gotcha, I really okay, did. yeah. Yeah, so at 12, that's what I thought. I, mean, we, I saw this movie several times with a couple of my homeschool friends. As did Josh. Yeah, I've only left one Star Wars movie of all nine of them being, well, and counting Rogue One and Han Solo. I've only left one of them where I was like, this was not good, and that was Rise of Skywalker. Attack of the Clones did not have that effect on me in the movie theater. Yeah. Hmm. Because when the stuff's happening at you so cool, you you don't think about it. I mean, that's that's kind of the genius of these movies, or at least the prequels, is that 
And what I think one of the things that, that Disney failed at is that they didn't understand that what Star Wars fans want is they want cool things happening with their characters. They don't really want a story. I, 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 I know this is going to like this going to just sound like the the wise sage old man rant, but that's honestly true. They want they, they want to get to the lightsaber battles. They want to get to the stuff like that. That's what George Lucas does in these in these prequel movies. It's one of the reasons why so many of these all the, all three of these movies, Jake. Tell me if I'm wrong here. Have really gained like a new appreciation as the years have gone by. It's true. Like in the last five years, people are talking about Phantom Menace, Attack of Clones, and Revenge of the Sith in ways that we were not talking about. When just they a were co- years ago. exactly when they were and coming out, I will say just rewatching it, like yes, it's very flawed movie, but like from like uh, like like I don't, it, it's well done too. Like at mm-hmm. the same time, like and I know it doesn't make sense, but like <clears> the, <throat> the action, like the lightsaber fights are really great. Like there's a lot of like good in this movie too. So, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you're gonna get into. I no, I definitely am because I think that. I know the belief that there is not a there is not a Star Wars movie that does not have at least a few redeeming qualities. Now, am I biased because I just love Star Wars? Obviously, there's a little bit of bias there, but even the one which is my least favorite, which is, as Josh already said, Rise of Skywalker, <clears throat> even that one has a lot of great moments. Um, but that's for a whole other podcast of things that, that we don't like about it, which we probably should cover sooner or later. But anyways... Um, <clears throat> But no, I, I think you're absolutely correct, Jenny. I think there are a lot of really good moments in this movie. Um, however, something that does kind of, in in my opinion, actually, I mean, in a, really, this is kind of a statement of fact, honestly, gets really kind of shoved under shoved under the rug um, a little bit too much. And this is actually a question for you, Al, because some people have said that this film should have been the start of the prequels to further show the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan over three full films. One, would you agree with that? And by that by that count, would you be okay cutting out characters like Qui-Gon Jinn from the, from the first film? Um, that's an... Wow, that's an interesting question because I don't think I've ever heard that. Um, um, I don't think I agree with that, no. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, because I'm trying to think about how that would work, but also how that would not only justify the material, um, not only justify cutting the material we get in episode one, but also I'm, I'm curious as to what else they would do, um, with the other film that they would have to stock if they were going to do that if this was going to be the first of the prequel films um because there's a lot of i'm struck with a lot of flaws with that idea because again i'm being honest i don't think i've ever heard that idea offered before um because first of all one of the main flaws and things i have an issue with in Attack of the Clones is um, that you don't see Anakin and Obi-Wan with each other very much. And um, yeah, the scenes that you do get them together in um, are probably the best parts of the film because you actually get to see them interact and and have 
moments with each other that kind of help you solidify what their relationship is with each other and and help to establish that frame. But I mean, that's one of the issues that we have with, or I'm sorry, at least that I have with uh, the prequel trilogy in general, is that <clears throat> this entire story being told, a lot of it rests on the idea that Anakin and Obi-Wan are, are inseparable, that they are, that they are, that they're brothers with each other, that they're inseparable, they're extremely close, and that their bond is being gradually tested and strengthened and tested and weakened in some ways, and seeing that kind of depiction of the relationship when you don't actually get that very much with the three films. Um, I mean, in in episode one, uh, the two characters hardly even exchange words with each other until the end. And Obi-Wan is just like, hey, I guess I'll um, I'll take you on as my apprentice. Um, and Anakin's just like, okay, um, I don't <laughs> I don't really have a mom anymore in a way, so I guess <laughs> so, so I guess I'll I'll go with you. Um and then in the second one we get a taste of their relationship and then they're almost immediately separated from each other for a majority of the film because the Jedi Council in their infinite wisdom is just like, "Hey, we need to send a Jedi um to guard Padme, um, this horny teenager who's obsessed with her will be a good choice. Um, <laughs> and then they're splits until they come together at the very end. And then we get to see a little bit more of their relationship in the third one. Now, that being said, I don't think starting from Attack of the Clones is really going to fix that issue. Um, I think... Um, especially when the main thing we would lose from cutting episode one, in my opinion, would be Qui-Gon Jinn. And Qui-Gon Jinn is a really important character in the context of understanding where the Jedi are at at this point in the timeline. Um, because the prequel trilogy is also very much a story about the Jedi and who they are as an institution and um, the different kind of ideologies kind of at war with each other within that institution. Um, and Qui-Gon is a really good example kind of of what the more preferred kind of idealistic idea of what the Jedi are, of what their understanding of the Force is, um, held in contrast as the films go on to what um, Ace Windu thinks at the time, what Oda thinks at the time, what Obi-Wan thinks at the time. Um, and so his presence is a really important part of really understanding that timeline, um, in, in my opinion. Um, but also, I mean, God, can you imagine this being the kickoff film? Like, again, I'm coming at it from the position of, like, I am easily the one in this group who likes Attack of the Clones the least. Um, I think that's pretty safe to say. Uh, I, I don't like this movie. So... From my perspective of starting off the prequel trilogy with the worst script, with the worst pacing of the three films, as far as telling the story and trying to trying to balance things out 
goes and in my opinion some of the the least tasteful depictions of who Anakin is um, um, as well as who Padme is um, that'd be a pretty rough way to start off the trilogy um, and again I'm kind of at a loss as what would go in between I don't know what would go in between <coughs> Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith um, other than like here's some adventures f- from the Clone Wars which could work if you focused on Obi-Wan and Anakin like constantly teaming up with each other and going on uh, various um, ops and things like that. That could be really interesting, but I would need a little bit more info about that because as things stand right now, um, I just think Attack of the Clones would be a really rough way to kick off um, the trilogy of films. But yeah, that's just me. It's definitely interesting. As I said, I don't think I've ever heard that idea before but um i'm not sure um it'd be the best way to go based off the things we already know about the story yeah i uh i don't want to start at attack of the clones um but i do think the middle ground of that statement uh and to borrow from red letter media here is that obi-wan kenobi and qui-gon Jinn should have been combined into one character called obi-wan kenobi and there's really a better story, in my opinion, that could be told. And it hurts because I love Qui-Gon. And I mean, there's never there's never a point where I'm going to be like, I'm really sad Liam Neeson is in Star Wars. But <laughs> I, there, there's there's a better story that's told about Obi-Wan not having an apprentice, being sent on a mission, and finding this kid and bonding with him, and having that told over three stories, as opposed to Anakin bonds with Qui-Gon, never really bonds with Obi-Wan as far as I'm concerned. We hear about all these stories. We hear about the nest of Gundarks, you know, but like we never, we don't see any of this stuff. And so then, you know, by the time you get to the third movie, it's like, it's not really seeing best of friends fighting. It's more seeing like two opposite, um, two opposite ideals fighting, which is what George is going for. I just don't think it's as interesting a movie. Um, so that's that's my take on that. I've heard that theory before, but to Al's point, if you start off right here with just, I mean, literally, if you start off right here, the first thing that happens in this movie is someone tries to kill Natalie Portman in the stupidest assassination attempt of all time. <laughs> you know? And if you stay, if that's how you start off your Star Wars movie, your Star Wars trilogy, mind you, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, I, I don't think it works. I think you need to see Anakin as a boy, too, because also, if, 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 yeah. if, if we give George Lucas the credit here and say that he's trying to say something about how the Jedi have done things wrong in the past, then the concept of Anakin being taken away from his mother needs to be something that's there. Mm. But I'm not totally sure I'm giving George Lucas all that credit. I'm just, that, that's, a, that's a reading into these movies that we've done later on now. Um, but it, that's part of his story. I, I definitely can't understand that. What <clears throat> plus the bulb <clears throat> Plus Sebulba, yes, absolutely, yes. Um, obviously. Obviously. I definitely do understand that. What what I had seen online, because b- both of you have made the statement of, you know, how would this movie start and what would you continue with? What, what <clears throat> I had seen posited online was that this would start with basically the, the Clone Wars is more so the, the starting point as opposed to the lead up to it. And then, of course, the 
climax of this film being the first battle and then really what we see in the next film is the last battle. We don't really get anything in between. Um, focusing more on the aspect of basically the Jedi kind of falling apart in the midst of war and Anakin and Obi-Wan also falling apart in the midst of war would be kind of the main focus of the trilogy. I guess the third movie of Order 66, I guess. Basically, just pretty much. Which is um, rough. Yeah, in fairness. Mo- most people that I, from what I had seen, is that uh, episode two would end with uh, Anakin turning, um, and and with the the fight between Palpatine and, and Mace would happen at the end of the second. Film. Which I will say this: we all kind of assumed after Phantom Menace that's how this, these movies were going to go. My assumption was good was he would be Darth Vader in three, which of course he he is, mm. but just I mean I assumed he would literally be. Like in the you suit know, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. He's like sneaky Darth Vader. He, he, is, he, is, he, is, he is sneaky <laughs> Darth Vader. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Those, those sneaky yellow eyes. Yep. Um, but no, that's that's just what I had seen. I I definitely see both sides. I mean, obviously, it's it's one of those things where it's just more so like what what could have been instead. And and once again, I still I still enjoy this movie for what it is. I really do. Um Although it definitely does have flaws, and the story definitely could have been told better, but all the same, I'm fine with the way it is. Um, however, one thing that I am not as big of a fan of, and Josh, this this one's going to you: Are Django Fett and Count Dooku wasted in this trilogy? In your opinion? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, well, there's. <laughs> Ooh, is, is, is this where I get to go off on Sam Wessel too, or? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, because <laughs> all right, guys, strap in. <laughs> he had a separate question about right. Sam Wessel already, but go ahead and go off. <laughs> okay, but, but here's, here's, here's the thing about, about how all these movies were marketed, okay, is we got all of this, with, with about a month or a month and a half before these movies came out, you would get inundated with, all this media, all these action figures, all this stuff. Yep. Okay. Django was everywhere. Django and Zam. Zam was yeah. everywhere. Mm. Okay. And so my assumption going into these movies, and because I remember reading the, the Zam Wessel uh, graphic novel that you just recently bought, I did. Yes. It's a fantastic graphic novel uh, about her using um, her shape-shifting abilities to infiltrate different places and uh, take down huts and things like that really interesting gango's graphic novel is literally him and the long neck get out what's his name yarrow poof yeah yarrow poof okay mm-hmm. saving the entire galaxy from a bomb that's going to blow everything up that's going to cause a giant black hole that's what his graphic novel is about and in these movies zam wessel's killed with a tranquilizer and mace windu slowly dances around Django and cuts off his head and that's that that's what we get out of them and like they, they're absolutely – Count Dooku, not as much. Because Count Dooku is Christopher Lee, and he gets to walk around and spout off and do his, like, oh, my friend. You know, he, he, he gets to do all this fun stuff, okay? So Count Dooku, I don't, I don't consider wasted. Um, but, like, Django and Zam Wessel, 100% wasted, particularly considering what we thought they were going to be because they were, they were, they were both in the preview figures, right? Oh, yes. So they were both in the preview figures. They both had graphic novels about them. They both had, I would assume – some type of short story compilation book about them that's somewhere. Sure, okay? somewhere. They were all over all of the material, and you go into this thing, and, like, they're really just kind of means to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly with, with, with Django, there's an interesting 
there, there's there's more interesting stuff that can be told about Django um, because of his. The most serious thing about him is his concept of like I want to have a son, and that is never explained. Like I want you to think about that like in any other movie. Okay? Well, they even say they're like, "How weird that he wants a kid." Exactly, and yeah. then but then they just leave they it. Just leave yeah. it. They yeah. just leave it. Oh, and so like you know like why why would a bounty hunter want a kid? And like they and, and and I understand once again this is a this is a movie that's designed to be like oh look there's a little Boba Fett hey like, that's fun isn't it okay it's designed to do that all right but that is never explained in this movie okay and no one questions it and also by the way when like Obi Wan is trying to kill him <laughs> you know like like no one no one even brings up he's getting ready to do it in front of his son or whatever like I mean there's just all this stuff that's like that's like you have to bring to the table yourself. Um, they're not helping you with because I, I I have a lot of questions about Django on like why he want a kid. I have a lot of questions about Django on why he would join up with Count Dooku to begin with. I know the answers to those because I've read the comics. But if you're asking people to to read you know all these comics, all these graphic novels, and all these novels to go in just to understand a character's motivation, you haven't created a very good character in my opinion. And so, yeah, I do think in that sense he's wasted in the sense of all we know about him. And he's basically Count Dooku's bodyguard and he kills a Jedi that I can't, I know you know him, but I don't know him. Coleman Trebor. Yeah, Coleman Trebor. Coleman Trebor just jumps down and just gets absolutely sunned by uh, Django Fett in this thing. And then he gets to do the little pistol flip. Yeah, and then he gets to do the pistol flip. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, you know, uh, that's all all he does in this thing. Um, you know, and and then it, so yeah, he is he's he's kind of wasted, and Zam definitely, Zam's definitely wasted. Mm. I mean, the, the only as far as we know, the only shapeshifter that we've seen in Star Wars, right? Mm, yeah, actually, okay. Yeah. And like, she doesn't shapeshift. She does. After she gets shot, she changes like to four different people. So once again, she doesn't shapeshift. <laughs> you know, like I mean, so like, so you're and also, missing, there's a. Annika knew she was a shapeshifter. Yeah, so so like so <laughs> and so everyone's like, be doubly careful, and then like and but she's. She's not shape-shifting in the bar. She is not She's just basically, the she's still Zam, you know, just walking around with a gun, you know? So, like, <laughs> just a lot of weird, you know, I, I don't know, just a lot of weird, weird stuff there, you mm. know? Uh, real real quick, real quick, since, since, since I have the floor, mm. why, mm. any of y'all, answer me, why does Django ask Sam Wessel to do this assassination to begin with? That's a... That's a very good question, Josh. Because, I would also be—I don't have an answer. I'd also be interested in answers as well, because okay. even because even when I watched it, like way going back, I watched all of these um, films in the theaters with my grandmother. Hot um, oh, rest her soul, and um, even as a child, I was watching it, and as a child, I was confused because I was just like, "Wait, if Django was hired." <laughs> To kill her, then why didn't, why didn't he do the job? <laughs> like it was, it, no, it's very, it's a worthwhile contractor. Like, well, okay, okay. So, so, so maybe. Okay, so, so my thought process early on was like, it's a, it's a Zartan situation. It's a, it's a Firefly mm. Zartan situation for all my GHL fans out there. Okay, we're like, Firefly's like, I don't want to get my hands dirty. Well, Zartan killed Storm Child Snake out as a master. Okay. Um, you know, so, you know, let's get that kind of situation. Okay. The problem with that theory, 
is that is or 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 maybe or maybe it was like he can he can he can't do something that Zam Wessel can do. Okay. But the issue here is that we see Zam Wessel use a sniper rifle to mm-hmm. shoot a moving, like flying robot out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yet her reasoning or her way of killing Padme was to use these little space slugs. First she uses the bomb. Oh, okay, the bomb. Okay, she, yeah, she, she, she's the one who attacks the ship. She even says okay. that. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But either way, both of those ways make less sense. Okay. But so, so I thought maybe, I thought maybe, well, like, Gengo was like, well, you know, she's better long range and everything. But then we see Gengo shoot a dart from a <laughs> 600-story <laughs> tower in pinpoint precision into, into her neck. Okay. Like, I mean, Legolas would have been like, you know, like, I don't know how I don't know if I can pull that off. Okay. All right. And then, and then fly away. So like, I, I don't understand the, the reasoning behind that, but it goes back to this concept that like, you know, once again, Mike is saying this, but these movies are designed to get us to the action scenes. Mm. So like, they're kind of written backwards. So it's like, well, we want Obi-Wan and Anakin to chase somebody. Okay, do we want that to be Django? No, we don't want to be Django yet because we've got a mystery of Django. Okay, so okay, what are we gonna? Well, let's let's have in our character. Okay, what are we gonna name? I don't know. Sam Wessel sounds awesome. Let's do that. Okay, <laughs> all right. And so we 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 do a we do a backwards thing where we create a chase scene around a character as opposed to actually creating a character. Um, and that's why all this stuff happens the way it does. But if you think about it for more than three seconds, you're like, none of this makes any sense. Padme is in an open window three separate times okay where anyone can snipe her okay i don't care what kind of jedi protector you've got you know she's got open windows three separate times in this movie where anyone can snipe her on coruscant and everybody just and like and apparently zam wessel's a good shot and it, it, it never comes into question and they're like nope we're gonna use space slugs you know i i, I guess you know was there the zam wessel come with space slugs uh the r2d2 action figure did that makes little sense. R2-D2, the actual was awesome. Whoa. Oh, shit. Whoa. Well, well, R2-D2, so R2-D2 is the one that technically notices that they're there, but then they, like, slink down behind the bed just perfectly. Um, and then R2-D2 is like, all right, I'm going back to sleep. And then they slink back up on top of her, and then... Anakin and Obi-Wan are arguing about politics, and Anakin go, and then Anakin stops, and then Obi-Wan goes, I sense it too, and then they run in there, and Anakin, I swear, the first time I saw it, I was like, he just killed Padme. He just straight up murdered <laughs> yeah, her. Yeah. Um, because, because Anakin, the way he, the, I swear, the way they have him swinging the lightsaber, it looks like either A, he is cutting a perfect hole around her, they're about to fall through like an Acme like trap and, yeah. and Looney Tunes, <laughs> or or he has literally just sliced her in half. One of the two. Um, I agree about the space slug, but I remember seeing that in theater. I think it was the coolest thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. But I, I mean, was 12. I was 12. Exactly. I'm, 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 okay with, I'm actually okay with Anakin being that good of a lightsaber being cut a slug. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah, like, right. the, the the slugs were the assassin thing. I thought that was creative. Like back then, like, you know, again, but even, but, I was 12. Yeah. But like, I was like, wow. Like, I don't know. Even, even then I was like, well, why did, why did, why did they just trap a bomb with that robot? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, 
like a set of the space slugs. Like, wow. an like I'll just say it. Like I don't know. Like, I'm like man, there's so many ways. Like 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 they don't sense that robot. They sense the slugs, which means which makes sense because robots don't have. They're not alive, so they don't sense the danger there. So why not just touch a bomb to that robot there and blow up the whole? I'm just saying. Like I don't know. Like even even as a six year old, I was like, I don't think that makes sense. You know. And then, like I said, even more frustratingly, she pulls out a long sniper rifle and shoots that robot out of the sky, and it's going at least sixty miles an hour. Yeah, they see you it. know, and she just nails it. Okay, mm-hmm. don't know why. Don't know why she didn't shoot Obi Wan. I, I still, I, I, that doesn't make any sense. But whatever. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Really, really like really the, these assassins. They really are not big on. Um, you know, on direct on, kills. Yeah, exactly. They just like, <laughs> you know. so to go around. Yeah, things, exactly. <laughs> Which is actually be kind of interesting. Like everything in the Bounty Hunters Guild is that like you you cannot be directly involved in the assassination yes. yourself. <laughs> that would be you amazing. Have, you have to keep contract with other people. Okay. Well, but once again, listen, listen to what you just did there. You, it took you thirty seconds to come up with a concept <laughs> that all they had to do was mention one line, and we and, and here's the thing: we could have been like, that doesn't make any sense for Bounty Hunters. But hey, it's not our world. It's a fiction world. You can do whatever you, <laughs> you want. Whatever you want. <laughs> like John Landis says, you know, vampires can be whatever you want. They can kill them however you want because vampires don't exist. Okay? <laughs> yeah. You can do whatever you want with bounty hunters in the Star Wars world because Star Wars world doesn't exist. So, like, if you want to do that, you could have done that. And, and like, that, that's what I'm talking about. In 30 seconds, you came up with an idea that was just like, oh, yeah, you know, they can't be seen. They can't. They can't. And that awesome 25 Django kills her at the end and not either of those two. You know, because he, he's more worried about. Look, look at what you you saw the plot hole in Attack of the Clones in thirty seconds. Happy, happy to help, guys. One happy to help. After twenty years, yeah. twenty, 20 years, years, finally have the answer. It is interesting because, like, even then, you get into like you could get into a discussion of just like, okay, well, if they were able to sense the force within the space lugs, then like, how sentient were the slugs like was it like basically like a esting doll situation of bounty hunters where count tuku hired Django and Django hired zam and zam hired the space slugs who were going to get a cut of the assassination money you're leaving out one though you're leaving out palpatine palpatine mm. hires count dooku hires Django, who hires oh Zane. my god yeah the plot thickens i mean <laughs> Man. Can we just talk about this for the rest of the podcast? <laughs> well, we we do need to move on a little bit. But one thing I did want to say, um, because because you did mention you brought up Boba and you brought up why does Kango want a son? Um, there have been like rumors and people wanting a Boba Fett prequel to the original trilogy. So basically, like somewhere in between. Uh, his appearances in, a t- in the Clone Wars cartoons and A New Hope. And a lot of that would also possibly entail, like, going back to, like, him being raised by Django. I would personally love that because I would love, like, the whole, like, Fett legacy kind of aspect to it because then you can even go into Django's backstory a little bit more. Um, some people have even said that that could be, like, a Boba, Book of Boba Fett season two kind of plot. Kind of plot. I would love that. I would absolutely watch all that. And also, 
Um, depending on what scenes you're doing, bring back Daniel Logan. I think Daniel Logan does. I mean, even though he's like 11 in this movie, I think he does a great job. Um, so yeah, I just be 31 it. now. He would be 31. Yes. <laughs> and and you, you want to come back and play a 16 year old? No, I want to come back and do the like the like, stuff like right before A New Hope. Oh okay. Yeah, like. I'm not insane. Okay. <laughs> I see what you're saying. No, no, I was with Josh on that one. I was just like, wait, do you want him to come back and <laughs> and put on small clothes and just be like, hey, father, are we going to kill the Jedi? And... Actually, on second thought, never mind. I do want that <laughs> that exact thing. Um. But anyways, moving moving on. Um, so we have to, we talked about Jang, we talked about Count Dooku. Um, Jenny, this is coming to you actually, because one thing that we had talked about earlier when we were planning this was how much you loved Hayden Christensen in this film, um, and really just as an actor in general. Yes. Um, so talk to me a little about his performance in this movie because you literally just watched I this just right watched before. It, yeah. Well, like you know, it's just interesting how different perception is at, you know, 20 years difference, you know, but, uh, um, I mean, at the time when it came out, I thought he was God's gift to acting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I still think he is very good actor in this movie. I just feel like the script was really bad, but like he delivers everything. I feel like very well, like considering, um, especially the scene with his mom. I feel like that was really like genuine, like, good acting uh but yeah i don't know i just um you know i've heard uh you mentioned that you know a lot of past star wars actors have mentioned that george lucas wasn't a great director as far as the actors are concerned mm. he didn't really know like how to do any of that uh and so i just wonder if that had a lot to do with it i don't know he but, is a notoriously bad actor's director yeah <laughs> like <laughs> carrie fisher would so so if anyone ever has like two to three hours and they just really want to take a deep dive into star wars watch empire of dreams on uh, disney plus it's a fantastic documentary about the about the original trilogy um but there is a point in there where all three of them mark hamill harrison ford and carrie fisher all say various different things where they don't want to say bad things about george but you can clearly tell that they were like we were kind of on our own when it came to figuring out how to make a new hope work from an actor's perspective um, Carrie Fisher says that um, his quote is, can you do it faster and more intense? Mm-hmm. And that was literally the only direction he yeah, would ever so, give anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, because I feel like, you know, rewatching that, I'm like, this is, the cast is so good. Like, it's really good. Um, and I think they all do, I mean, like, even, you know, Christopher Lee in this. Like, it's like, or no, it's, <laughs> you know, Christopher Lee's halfway decent. Yeah. You know, I'm just, who are you talking? Who are you referring to? Chris Lee, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, even he, I feel like, has his moments where it's like, did he really just deliver it that way? Oh, sure. That's okay. what I mean. Like, gotcha. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought you were like even Christopher Lee's a halfway decent actor. Like, oh well. No. Yeah. Like, even I feel like even his acting struggles in this movie, and I don't think it has anything to do with him as an actor. I guess. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But Hayden Christensen, some of his stuff is laughable, but again, it's a lot of the love scenes and stuff are so awful. Like mm-hmm. they're just so like awkward and. Which yeah. Which one would you say is the most awkward? 
Oh, I've got a yeah, easy number I one. I know your pick. Because well, your pick was the scene I couldn't watch in theaters, which was it's funny in hindsight. <laughs> it really is. You Mom made a uh, Mom made me cover my eyes during during because, the during the fire because, during the fireplace really? scene. Because Padme's boobs are like, in. Padme's like, a dominatrix. He is. Like, <laughs> that's, that's that's the main reason I'm like she is very consenting to. Uh, <laughs> to I mean, she is like, hey, what up? Uh, but no, that is uh, the, that is the part where she delivers though your Jedi. I was sitting there, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But anyway, um, I don't know. Like, their first conversation is really awkward to me because, yeah. like, yeah, like just like just like I, I agree with <laughs> but, like, because like she's like, uh, what does he say? He's like, my you grow. Yeah, yes, well, you, no, like when you grow more uh, beautiful. Yeah. Not even, well, that, yes. But I mean, like, when, uh, so it's not their first conversation. It's the one, like, right after he's been assigned to, like, be, like, her caretaker, basically. And they're eating on the ship? No. She's, no. like, packing. Oh, and that one. And he just yeah, okay. randomly starts, it's not even, like, a love scene, but it's awkward to me because he just randomly starts bitching about Obi-Wan. Yeah. yeah. And, like, <laughs> and, like, they just, like, started to get reacquainted. She's just kind of looking at him, like, Okay, like chill, yeah. dude. Like, <laughs> in ways I'm ahead of him. I, oh, okay. all right, okay, okay, all right. And then, she, and then that's the same scene where she's like, "Don't look at me like that." Um, it makes me uncomfortable. And then they and do goes, like, a, "Sorry, my lady." Yeah, and then do like a weird <laughs> stare at him, yeah. and it's like, so it just starts off awkward. What? Okay, all right, all right, all right. That scene. Okay. What? What do you think? Let's let's just let's let's take a second and try to figure out what George Lucas told Hayden Christensen to do in that scene. <laughs> As it is, because because anything other than can you do a creepy like sexual assault glare <laughs> at the end of it, like like, like yeah, you that you've never made in your life, okay, and you will never make in your life again, okay? Can you like like just think of like. For a second, just think that you are the most horrible, <laughs> despicable person on the planet, <laughs> and make that face, okay? All right, and that will endear people to you because we're gonna put you on Team Beat Magazine. Yeah, so like, exactly. You know, That's what I was about to say. Like, <laughs> I had my walls were covered with Katie Christensen uh, posters from yeah. Team Beat. You had the Rolling Stone cover, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, still yeah. do somewhere. Forgot about that. Yeah, somewhere. Um. Yeah, so, anyway, what was your main question? No, I'm sorry. Uh, how was his performance? Oh. So, yeah, no, I mean... No, no, I we're mean, there. Yeah, yeah, we're there. I, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like it wasn't his fault, is mm. what I'm trying to say. It's uh, not. It's 100% <laughs> not. In, yeah. fact, in fact, I have... I'm just going to insert this real quick. I have two extremely hot takes by Hayden Christensen oh. in Star Wars. One, I will put Anakin with his mother dying up against any scene in any Star Wars yeah, movie. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. as good as... Mm-hmm. It's Fair. as effective and as good as all him. It's all that's him. That's true. It's, totally good. It's, it's, literally, it, it, it's as good as you already have. It's as good as... Mm. You know, it literally anything. Okay? Second, okay? Let's go... This is the one that will get me in trouble. Oh. The best person who wields a lightsaber in all of Star Wars is Adam Driver. The second best is Hayden Christensen. Really? And the reason I say that is because he's the only one that acts with a lightsaber. He's the only one that does it. He's the only one that, like, like when he's fighting Count Dooku, he's completely reckless. He doesn't know what he's doing. I'm going in, you know, and it, it, it makes sense. Obi, Obi-Wan, 
you know, like, like I mean, you, you and McGregor, like, they're still, they, they don't know what, what his fighting style is going to be, okay? But, like, when he goes in, he fights, you, you know he's reckless, you know he's crazy. When he fights Obi-Wan at the end of episode three, the only thing that gets me through that god-awful 39-minute lightsaber battle <laughs> is, the fact that, is the fact that he is fighting in a way where it's like, I don't care if I win or not. His shoulders are slumped. He's using one hand. He's like walking like the Undertaker sometimes. He's like he is putting everything he can into into his lightsaber acting, which is which is different. No one no one else does it. Only him and Adam Driver do it. And so there's a lot of crap Hayden Christian gets on this. And I would just I would just implore people to watch behind the scenes of this and watch like George Lucas be like, hey, I rewrote what you're going to say to Obi Wan <laughs> well, we last night. And like Hayden Christian be like. What do you mean you rewrote? I like he's not saying, he's not saying it, but you know you you can tell he's like we rewrote it last night. You know, like yeah. that literally happens over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. He's doing the best he can with the dialogue he's given, and for and George Lucas admits that he told Hayden Christian to be like a petulant teenager in the he doesn't understand scene. So yeah. he's he's doing what he's told to do there. Yeah. That, that's yeah, what for, for whatever sure. reason that's what they went with. Well, and even rewatching the scene after he, you know, slaughters the Tuscans, like that's a great scene. That's like, a great scene. It's utterly and, ruined by what they have Padme on yes, all do. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. And she's just like, well, shit happens. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, I literally just killed everyone in a yeah. village. Okay. Yeah. And he's to be angry is to be human. And he's like, and he's like, he's just like so depressed about it. Everything's like it, it's it's a it's a existential crisis for him, and then the one person that he trusts, or Obi Wan, tells him that's okay. You know, they, they, you know, to be angry is to be human. You know, you're only human. Well, no, I caught so, this though, which I hadn't caught the last few times I watched it. But she actually asked the question after Homeboy just carried his dead mother, and she goes, "What's wrong?" Yeah, no, yes, and exactly. I was like, oh, my word. And so he's fine with it. He's like, "Well, you know, here's what happened." But, so, yeah. someone, someone got paid to be like to walk up to Natalie Portman, award at this point Oscar-nominated actors, yes, and say when you walk into this scene, say what's wrong to the teenager who just carried his mother home? Yeah, you need to do that. Okay, <laughs> and she great. was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. But yeah, like back to the acting overall, though. Like I feel like. And I could be wrong. Maybe this is a job for fact checking boy, but I thought Hayden Christensen was actually a Shakespearean actor. Was he not? I've never heard that. And this, the movie I've seen him in was Life as a House, which is fantastic. It's yeah. A Kevin Klein, Kevin Klein building a house movie, and he's Kevin Klein's son, and he starts off as a really like punk rock kid. Uh, but like, I mean, I'm saying that, but like, you gotta understand, it's 2001, guys. Sure. Sorry, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. But he starts off really like a, like a punk rock kid, but like he cleans himself up, becomes a a good kid towards the end. He's really good in that. And of course, then you love Shattered Glass. Glass. And if you've never seen Shattered Glass, look that movie up. If you ever want to know if 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 Hayden Christian can act, because that movie is just, I, 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 I it, it's it's one of my probably twenty most rewatchable movies. That I watch it over and over and over again. I would love it to be. We absolutely need to do that. Because it's a fandom fantastic fandom movie. Fandom, uh, Essentials. Fandom yeah. I love it. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. I think that's fair, but yeah, no. Uh, so overall, great performance. Just you know, uh, dialogue's a little iffy. Yeah. yeah. What do you do? You agree with Josh that you think the uh, the best scene is with him and his mom? Yes. Yeah. yeah. For him, I got and, I, and I think the worst scene is him in front of the uh, fireplace. Ooh. 
the fireplace. Yeah. Think, think um, that's, his, that's his worst one? Yeah, that one's He's literally begging to have sex with Padme in that. In that. Uh, not, he doesn't say that, but when he says, I will do anything you want me to do, there's only so many ways you can take that. Yeah. The, the scene in the grass is pretty annoying, too. Um, that one I like more now because of the meme template. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, so that true. one is is a little <laughs> better now. Because uh, she's like, it sounds a lot like a dictatorship, and he's like, if it works. And she's like, <laughs> she's like oh, oh. <laughs> and she's like, you're TCB, and he's like, oh, was it really? But oh, let's roll over the ground. <laughs> I just love that because he gets run over by this giant bison that literally stamps him in the head. And it's and he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he lives. He lives through it. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. fucking Darth Vader. Yeah. He, he is. He is. All right, Al, next question is coming your way. Um, I know I already hit you with the hard one. <laughs> um, but this is going to be a fun one. Is every Jedi besides Obi-Wan and Anakin incapable of making a good decision? Mm, that's a good question. Um, Actually, what, what, what decision does Obi-Wan make that's good in this one? He tracks Django. <laughs> I mean, that's not really him. I mean, that's not him. I, I mean, mean, like, well, he's the one who threw the tracker. Now, didn't okay, he? Okay, all right, okay. So, so he threw a tracker. He threw device. a tracker at uh-huh. on, on, yes. on, on on the person that on the on the person has the exact set of armor that he saw killed his one. So, so that okay, all right, he, yeah, all right. So that that's our bar. Hey, that's man. our bar right there. Okay, all right, good. I mean, okay, contrast that with every other Jedi decision that's made in this film. No, Al, I'm sorry. Man. I'm just going to let that go. I'm sorry. Al, uh, uh, it's all good. Um, real quick, I do have an answer for what Jenny asked earlier. Um, um, because um, um, unpredictably joining the show um, for the first time in a while, it's fact-checking boy. Star Wars edition. Um, he's he's exactly the same, except he has a lightsaber. That's the only difference. Um, <laughs> other than that, he's the exact same. Um, but um, so I couldn't find anything on Hayden Christensen being a specifically Shakespearean trained actor, but he did attend for over a. Decade. He did attend the um, famous Actors Studio in New York City um, and gained a bunch of training there. Very nice. Um, so, yeah. So, there you go. Um, Inside the Actors <laughs> Studio is a great show. Um, I miss that show. But, um, anyway. Thank you. Um, but, um, no, yeah, the Jedi. Um, <laughs> like... I think there's even more to say about the Jedi in the prequel films in Revenge of the Sith. Um, Because Revenge of the Sith really amps it up just how incompetent um, the council is at this point in time. But it's present as well in Attack of the Clones because you're right, there really isn't a good, insightful or wise decision made by the Jedi in Attack of the Clones. Um, I'm there's a there's a central problem that I have 
with both Attack of the Clones as well as with Revenge of the Sith. And I, I like Revenge of the Sith a lot more than I enjoy this one. But, um, but there's a central problem here where so many people in positions of authority in Anakin's life um, are so entirely either inept or just kind of aloof or just kind of like off in their own world um, or just really unfit for what they're doing. Um, and that's true of the Jedi Council. That's true of Padme herself. Um, because like we've already talked about, you know, it's a really powerful scene when Anakin goes um to rescue his mom. They have a really um, heartfelt, very passionate s- scene with each other. Um, and then we see his his rage against the same people um, and things like that. And that's a terrific scene. It's a terrific s- sequence, really important to understanding his character. Um, but, and like it's talked about some now, but I really don't think still it's talked about enough that every person in a position of authority in Anakin's life, starting with Attack of the Clones, just about everybody um, fails him in some way. To the point that when he finally finds Palpatine and forms a relationship with him in Revenge of the Sith that it's very understandable why he's so drawn to somebody who actually takes an interest in what he has going on in his life. And I get that's, I get that that's intentional to make that relationship work, but at the same time, there's no storytelling effort put into why the people around Anakin are so bad at helping him. Um, Because it goes back. I'm sorry. Because I actually just mentioned to Jacob as I was rewatching this, because Yoda has that whole scene where he's like, Skywalker's in pain, great pain. And then he does not bring it up at all the rest nope. of the movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <at all>. like <laughs> and anyway. Uh, uh, so, Yoda, I'm, I'm getting the Yoda question, right, Jake? You, you are getting okay, good. Anyway, hey, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to add to that because you're very right. But anyway, continue. No, no. That's an excellent example. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because so many people, it's not so much that they're unaware of what's going on in Anakin's life. Because if they were, it'd almost be a preferred situation yes. that they were unaware. Right. But it's that people are aware and they choose to do nothing at all. So you have the council, you have the scene with Yoda where Yoda is just like, oh, I'm being torn apart. Like <laughs> the rage and the sadness and the pain within Skywalker is like rending my connection with the Force in two. It's so like and he's telling ooh. that to Mace too. Yeah, I'm having like I'm having like small person heart palpitations over here. <laughs> it's, it's awful. But Mace it's, never cared about anything ever in his entire life. <laughs> um, and then after he has that, <laughs> he has that like small heart attack and stuff he's just like well i'm sure he'll figure it out Uh, (laughs) oh well obi-wan's his master this isn't my job um and then and then mace over there 
is just like out of character and he's just like man i'm glad i got myself a purple lightsaber and <laughs> and like not invested whatsoever and like but like really it comes back to two specific characters for me because these are the two most significant people in anakin's life is that it comes back to padme and obi-wan you can tell that obi-wan is much more invested in anakin since he is his padawan um, and things like that, but we still don't get to see the interaction that had to have happened at some point of Anakin going, hey, Obi-Wan, when are we going back to help my mom? Um, when is that going to happen? And even if you want to write it off as, well, Obi-Wan would have been in in the know of the council, he would have been on the same page as everybody else and talked to him about the importance of you know, being able to to contain um, your emotions, being able to to compartmentalize relationships and attachments and um, things like that. Even if you want to write it off as saying Obi-Wan probably would have given him some kind of hopefully softer version of that response, um, I still want to see that. I want to see that happen. Because we don't see anything like that with him and Obi-Wan. And that's really frustrating. And then, as far as Padme goes, Padme arguably has more influence over that situation than anybody else does. Because she's literally a senator in the Republic. And, like, again, it might have happened off screen. You might be able to write it off as well. I don't have any influence as far as, like, how the planets on the outer rim are are handled or anything like that and and like that's fine even if you want to write it off like that i think that's a pretty shitty way of storytelling that pretty crucial point of contention of their relationship but still i want to see that like i want to see all these relationships anakin has with these people on screen i'm sick and tired with attack of the clones telling me things they should be showing me or at worst having me insert my own explanation as to why I'm not seeing or hearing about these things. And so you never get any kind of indication that Padme even cares that Anakin's mom is a slave on a planet. (laughs) Like we get, this forced characterization that Padme is all about, like, well, you know, we have to believe in the Republic and, you know, have to believe in justice and, and truth and the Alderaan way and things like that. Um, but, like, you don't see that. You don't see her working for anything. The only real thing you see Padme do in this movie, as far as her authority goes, is that she gets her feathers kind of ruffled when Palpatine is just like, a, I think I'm going to hold on to these powers. And she's just like, ah, great job, guys. You let a <laughs> dictator rise while I was, you know, off playing with my hair and having weird apples as supper with my Padawan bodyguard. Like, that's a good job, everybody. I didn't have any, any hand in this. But, like, and you don't get that, right? And I know I'm very off course from what Jacob asked me. I'm aware of that. But <laughs> but 
that's just reiterated throughout this film is that everybody, whether it's the Jedi, whether it's the High Council, whether it's Padme herself, who is a politician and has some kind of political influence, um, however much it might be, not only do we not see them take action, we don't even get to hear their explanation for why they haven't. Um, and even if it's a thing of just like, we don't want Anakin to be so attached to these relationships he has, one, Padme has no reason to believe that because Padme isn't a Jedi. Um, and two, even if it was a thing of just like, well, I don't want my judgment to be clouded by my relationship with Anakin to have that have any influence on how I prioritize my things. Okay, Padme, there are slaves on that planet. This is something you've seen. This is something you've intimately been up close and personal with several years ago. Like, you need to either have done something or to have had a pretty good reason why you haven't have done something at this point. And we don't get any of that. So it gets to the point where here comes Revenge of the Sith and people are just like, oh, Anakin's going to turn. And I'm just like, yeah, who'd have thought? He's yet to find a person who seems anything but completely unbothered by what's going on in his life. Like, of, of course he's going to, of course he's going to turn. And again, I get that that relationship and that dynamic has to happen eventually, but it just feels so effortless to have not even touched any of those glaring issues with his relationships with these characters. Um, and that's just one of the main things that really irks me about this film is that we don't get any indication that people even care. Um, but yeah, that's my rant. That's my rant on Attack of the Clones. I'm well, gonna... let, me, let me ask you a question now. And I mean, this, I think this, this comes back around to what you were talking about. Can you explain to me the job description of a Jedi? Well, at this point, they they originated, as far as episode one goes, the information we're given is that they're peacekeepers. Um, that isn't very well defined. And then into Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars, um, they seem to be some kind of like special ops type team or the high republic um which i don't think is really true to the original intention of what the jedi order is supposed to be but if people if there's an institution that's meant to be peacekeepers and people who are who are defenders of people in need of help then to me you'd think obviously tackling a systematic issue like slavery isn't as simple as, hey guys, let's go and and just st stop slavery on one quest. But you would expect some kind of vested interest in those kinds of issues if they are a galactic institution that's devoted to keeping the peace, to helping people in need. So that's kind of what I would gather from that. But but I'm not sure. I don't think that's what is being met. Yeah, because we're not sure, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the honest truth, because here's here's the issue. So, like, <clears throat> I'm assuming the reason that would be given is that, well, 
Tatooine's on the Outer Rim. Can't do anything about the Outer Rim. Okay. So that means the Jedi, then, all of their work is for just the Republic, then, which ties them to the government, which you have Mace come out and basically say he does not want that. But it seems like if that's the case, and that's how it's been for years and years and years, so that means the Jedi end up being this group of monks that are tied to the government at the center of the galaxy. So, like, they're, they're governmental peacekeepers then. So that, that, you see what I'm saying? Like, that, that doesn't seem to be, like, that doesn't seem to jive with the whole religion aspect of it. Because the religion aspect of it, you know, and, and it just, I'm just going to go out on a limb. You know, if, if you are a light side Jedi and following that religion, uh, it would seem like ending slavery yeah, probably pretty, pretty probably a good idea. Probably high you know? on the on the you know, <laughs> yeah. you know if, if if for no other reason than just the general concept of like if you're always looking for new people to recruit, you know, there are literally then hundreds if not thousands of Jedi's that are just toiling away in you know slavery, which by the way is the end of Last Jedi, um, but we don't talk about that anymore. Mm. Okay, mm. but anyway, like. No, that didn't happen. It's okay, just, you're right. That didn't happen. Yeah, just gone. Yeah. It, it was that, too woke for everybody to be like slavery's bad, but yeah, that uh, room just fell. That's all that yeah, happened. Yeah, that pretty, the room just <laughs> fell. Yeah, but that's the thing though. Like when you're when you're dealing with these movies, you know, one of the, the some of the stuff that isn't. You're you're right. You're like you're like you're like I'm so sick and tired of tech clubs telling me things. But then there's also things that the, the movies don't tell you. So like the one thing the movies doesn't tell is like, well, what is the function of a Jedi? Like, literally, what is it? Because at the beginning of Phantom Menace, the function of a Jedi is to deliver terms to Newt Gunray. Like, this is what we're getting a Jedi master to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even Qui-Gon at the beginning of the thing is like, I don't understand why I'm here. You know, so I think the negotiations will be short. And then, of course, you know, everyone's like, the negotiations were short. You know, like, so, like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, that's a weird thing. Then, then, so, like, in, the, in Phantom Menace, you also got the point where like they're like we're going to we're going to try and figure out who the who the who the Sif attacker was, and then Mace is like, yeah, we didn't figure that out. So you know, you go and try and chase that down on uh, Naboo, you know, or whatever, you know. And so then, like when Qui Gon is in the ship, he's like, I don't know why we're here. I can't fight a war for you. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know why you're here either, you know. <laughs> and so then, then for this one, the Jedi are security guards, and that's how we start. That's how we start, you know. And so then, and then, like once again, with with you know, like to to prove, like I don't know what the council does, but like when Obi Wan is like, "Hey, there's a clone army that a dead Jedi ordered," and no one investigates that, and Yoda just goes and grabs it. My, my only thought process, like, in that. <laughs> I kind of wish, you know, an Animal Crossing, whatever, uh, you can't go to another island and Orville goes, you know anything about that? Like, I, my mindset is that Obi-Wan should have just called us middle like, there's a clone army. You know anything about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, I mean, so, like, uh, but, but all that, I say all that to say this. I, I don't know what a Jedi does in, in, the, in, in the prequels. That's not an issue in 4 through 6. That's not an issue in 7 through 9 because you're still trying to rebuild the Jedi in that. Mm. But in this thing in this thing where Jedi are a known entity throughout the galaxy, okay, 
Some know that an outer rim kid knows what a lightsaber is. Okay, mm -hmm. if they are known entities out of the galaxy, you need to know what they do and what their purpose is, because it can't just be just peacekeepers, and it can't be defenders of justice and 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 peace. And you see, you see what I'm saying? Like it, it just it's it's really muddled, you know. Mm -hmm. Which it might be the point, but it's it, it they, they don't make that point very well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Sorry, Al. No, no. It's okay. I agree. I agree. It's very ill-defined. And that's the... And again, I think that goes back to one of my central problems with Attack of the Clones is that so many things are vaguely said or ill-defined about characters, about institutions, about what is going on. Like, um, I recall, I recall at one point, the last time uh, before this weekend, the last time I watched Attack the Clones was when I was doing uh, my marathon of all of the Star Wars films leading up to episode nine. And I watched Attack the Clones and I texted um, on the group chat just asking. I was just like, hey, what's going on with like this type of guy? Because you're completely left in the dark about what was going on with the Sifo-Dyas guy. <laughs> and that seems to be a pretty crucial player in what's going on with the clone army. But like, again, there's just so much left unsaid in this film that it's hard to be invested in the events and in the characters because you feel like you don't understand why anyone is doing what they're doing. But anyway, I'm sorry. I've taken up so, way too much time with that one question. No, 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 you're, you're good. So uh, the original plans when episode two were written and then the er very early drafts of episode three were already in planning okay um the original plan was that obi-wan storyline and episode three was going to be trying to figure trying to follow up on the mystery of the clone army and sifo Dyas, leading up to the discovery that yes dooku hired dooku got sifo Dyas to actually go against the jedi order and build this clone army you learn in one of the other books that it was originally going to be Dooku, Sifo Dyas, and Qui-Gon Jinn, but then Qui-Gon is killed by Darth Maul. Um, what unfortunately hold happened... On, hold on, I gotta stop you real quick. You learn in another book that Qui-Gon was okay with the building of a clone army? Qui-Gon understood the necessity of it. That was his mindset. Okay, this is reason... I just, I just want to mark this down as reason number 332 that all that stuff needs to be put in that Legends category because that makes no sense with Qui-Gon Jinn's character. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just want to mark that down. Once again, Disney saved Star Wars from itself, everybody. I just want to put that out there again. <laughs> Carry on. Um, also, I might be misremembering that. I need to read. I mean, that Darth sounds Darth like Plagueis. something stupid somebody would write. Um, it, that does sound in line with what you had texted me um, a few years back when I asked you. Okay. Plot line. I, See, I, I couldn't remember. It was something. It was. I know that there is a point where Dooku asked Qui Gon if he basically, yo, fam, you want to go build a clone army? Uh, like, I know that there is a point where it is discussed between the two of them. I think uh, that's. I think that's a flashback in the novelization of Attack of the Clones. That is that's a possibility. I 
Where I've read it was in the the Darth Plagueis book, because uh, Darth Plagueis gotcha. the book is is about twenty years before Phantom Menace, and then leads up literally to the day that uh, Palpatine becomes uh, Chancellor. Mm-hmm. That's lir- and so it's really more a book about Palpatine, honestly. But there is a point where where yeah, of course, there is a point where Palpatine has basically he is basically working the system with Dooku to build the clone army and thus leading to sifo disappearing and everything. Um, but yeah, sifo disappears. And then originally the plan was that the reason Obi-Wan is leaving Coruscant is to go figure out what's going on with sifo Dooku was not going to be killed. He was actually going to have a bit of a bigger role. Um, and then they cut all of that out and then put General Grievous in there. Um, Ooh! Which, uh, yeah. General Grievous. Um, <laughs> Sweet. So, uh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Let's get that coffin droid in there. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah. But anyways, we are we are winding down. I've got one more main question. I've got kind of a group thing after this. But the main question, Josh, I wanted to lead towards you. Um, but first, actually, real quick, Al, you had mentioned that in the scene where Obi-Wan challenges Dooku, um, that you had gained a new appreciation for Obi-Wan in that. Do you want to to clarify or elaborate a little bit on that? Oh, my God, yes. So just real quick. So there's that scene. Obi-Wan is confronting Dooku. Um, Dooku is just like, like... I'm not even going to attempt to do an impression of Christopher Lee because it would be because with how I do impressions, it would be insanely disrespectful to an incredible. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not going to disrespect one of my favorite actors of all time that way. But um, he he does his Christopher Lee thing as Count Dooku um, and he shoots force lightning out of his hands at Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan just kind of like catches it on the edge of his lightsaber and like continues to like continues to banter with Count Dooku. (laughs) And at first, when you see that scene without a lot of like expanded universe kind of background knowledge, you're just like, Oh, okay, this is cool. Like you're just kind of like, they're bantering with each other. They're like trying to test on the limits of each other's skills and powers and stuff. After you do some of uh, the, deep dive that I've been doing the last couple of years with Star Wars lore. Going back to watch that scene is just like, oh, okay, Obi-Wan, yeah, just like, just casually catch the Force lightning and banter back with Dooku as if you aren't the first person in like a thousand years to have seen that. <laughs> like, what, what Obi-Wan does right there is is like the equivalent of like <laughs> it's like the equivalent of what the reaction should have been in Ghost of Tsushima when the Mongols started to use the explosions because that was the first time explosives had ever come to Japan <laughs> and, and the soldiers should have been fucking terrified of <laughs> Like a more accurate version of that scene would have been Count Dooku sends out lightning. It catches Obi Wan in the chest because Obi Wan is dumbfounded at what just happened. 
<laughs> no, I love I love that scene so much more now after I did some research on like on like um on the Sith Wars and um and things that had happened since um since the fall of the Sith and the rule of two and things like that. That makes that scene so much better than what it was. You know, and I had never thought of it like that, but you you were absolutely correct. Like the <laughs> especially because Anakin is the first person who gets it, which it's very accurate there to how how oh, yeah. it should how it should have happened. Um, but Obi Wan's just like, nah, I, I got this. Lightsaber should do it. You know? <laughs> it's incredible. It's it makes sense that when he tries to shoot Master Yoda with it, it makes way more sense for that because even if Yoda hadn't been alive when that technique was like a commonplace thing, then sh- then surely the Jedi's before him would have told him about it at least from like a first-hand perspective. So he would have been a little bit more prepared for it. But no, like Obi-Wan, who's like, what, like 35 years old at that point? Like, there's there's no way. He's just just a cool cat, man. He's just like, oh, okay, I got this. That's that's no big deal. Oh, are you an ancient Sith warlord who, who has done that for the first time in a millennium? Just like nah, nah. This should work. <laughs> I should be able to catch this with my lightsaber. Josh, we're gonna toss this last question your way. <laughs> okay. So when we did the opening to the EU or EU review, when we did a big Star Wars retrospective, I had asked if Yoda using the lightsaber hurt his character. And Empire Strikes Back. Upon rewatching this film, and um, really just upon more giving it more thought, the question has to be asked instead: Does Yoda, as a character in the entirety of this film, actually hurt his character in Empire Strikes Back? There is not a um, there is not a character whose reputation gets hurt more in Episode Two and Episode Three than Yoda. Um, and that, that even comes from, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin both really, you know, taking some hits, uh, in my opinion. Um, but Yoda, I, Yoda, Yoda in episode two is, is so just out of the loop and nothing he does makes any strategic or logical or or wisdom sense. Even with being clouded by the dark side of the force. I don't care about that. Because because okay. because here's the thing. Here, here's 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 the problem with that theory. Okay. Clouded by the dark side of the force. Okay. One, all right. There's a point in the third one where Mace Windu even comes up as like, should we inform the Senate? That's in the second oh, one. Oh, it's in the second one? Yeah. So it's even worse. There's one thing where Mace Windu's like, should we inform that our force, you know, our ability to use force is diminished, okay? Which, we, once again, a thing, we don't know what that means, okay? You know, Yoda can feel Sky, Anakin Skywalker's pain from, you know, another galaxy away, okay? So I don't know what force is diminished. Um, but even with being clouded by the dark side, here's some things you know. You know, Darth Maul showed up and killed one of your Jedi Masters. You know that there's always two. That's the basic rule. Yeah. yeah. 
by the end of this movie, really not even by the end, like you have a you have Count Dooku who is a is a former Jedi who is now pulling people from or pulling uh, planets into his confederation. So like that could tell you right, like right there that's a that's an issue you know because like well we need to deal with that okay you know instead of making somebody think he's a political idealist you know not a terrorist or, or that's guess Cal- yeah, movie actually it's even worse um, Mace says it's not his character yeah, it's, it's not his character someone. it's not his character <laughs> right okay well it's like it's also not his character to be a politician either but he's he's that now too right mm. it's also has a character to lead a rebellion but he's that too now right so like mm. what I, but anyway going back to Yoda all these things are happening. And Yoda just stands there and looks pained and angry, you know. And then we'll walk and be like, "But I'm, it's, it's seeing you warms my heart, Padme." Okay, you know, like, okay, well, good. That, that's nice, Yoda. Yoda is just like he's, he's a really nice old man in two and three that no one should listen to. You like, I mean, like literally, like like when he shows up with the clones in two, the Jedi's reaction should be. Oh my gosh! Who let him out of the council chamber? Like, why is he? Like, there's the whole point of this. Like, he's there in the council chamber. You know, like, you know, we let him flip around his lightsaber every now and then. Like, we tell him, like, yeah, you're really good with your lightsaber. All two feet of you. You know, but like, why is he show? Like, someone let him go and get an entire army. You know, that should literally be the response because you talk about something that doesn't make any sense from a Jedi standpoint. Like, how? Like, so. I, 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 I will, I, I'm throwing down the gauntlet, okay? I will give $20 to anybody listening to this that can explain to me why Yoda goes and grabs an army that he has no idea why it was built or who built it or why it was commissioned to be built mm. or he, he, he it, it, it is a mystery army and his response to that mystery army is like, good thing it was built because we're going to need it. Well, it's a good reference. So, you know, that mystery army could have an order implanted in all their heads that's going to kill all the Jedi. I mean, very, very basic. Oh, that's what happens? <laughs> very basic logic here, okay, would be like, well, it's a clone army, okay? So, like, it's literally, you know, like, they're conditioned genetically, you know. So right off the bat, you're in real weird ethical territory, okay? All right, but let's just say that somehow, like, I don't know, it's Star Wars land, so they're okay with clones. I don't, let's just say they are. All right. Let's say like half of them are clones. Jotted Money's probably a clone. Okay. So let's just say that like that's a thing. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. Let's say, let's say that's true. Okay. All right. Let's just say, let's just, let's just be like, let's get rid of the ethical concept here. Okay. All right. Even still, wouldn't you, it's a mystery army that you know nothing about. Wouldn't you want to like examine it a little? You know, hey, Sama Lu or whatever your name is. Okay, what's his name? Who are you? Mean Lama Sue? Yes, Lama Sue. Lama Sue. Okay, Lama Sue. You have said that twice. I said twice, and I did not know who you were talking about the first time. I was like, okay, not just saying things now. Okay, okay. Lama Sue. Hey, you know, are there any orders we should know about? Like, how about how about an order that like doesn't have an explanation? It's just like there, just has a number with it. You know, you know, like maybe maybe something I should worry about. No, they don't even that doesn't even come into play. They have a mystery army. Yoda brings that mystery army to play. And then in the worst thing that's ever happened, the only thing that's ever topped it is Tyrion Lannister all of a sudden being real sad about how things turned out at the end of Game of Thrones. Yoda has the 
unmitigated gall to be like, this is really sad. The Clone Wars just started at the end of this movie. You started it, dude. <laughs> this was your idea. Every bit of this was your idea. And the thing is, and, and, and here, here, here's the thing. I know. I already know. Someone's going to be like, well, how are they going to rescue all the Jedi? Well, one, I don't know why all the Jedi are rushing in there like like that to begin with, okay? All right, they've literally put them in the middle of a of a coliseum, okay? A, a group of people that have no blasters fighting a group of people with blasters in the middle of a coliseum. This is why you don't let Jedi run wars, okay? But on top of that, you can't tell me Coruscant doesn't have an army or any of these nations don't have an army that y'all can be like, hey, I need to borrow your army for a second. You know, you can't tell me that, that that's not a thing. Technically, that is kind of the point of the conversation is that they do not have a standing army for the Republic. So, so, so literally, literally, what you are telling me, what you are telling me, if Yoda went around and was like, hey, 800 Jedi are about to be slaughtered, okay? Can I borrow your army? All of them would be like, nah, nah, not going to do that, dude. Not going to do that, dude. You know? I mean, it's, it's, that, that's the thing you're telling me is going to happen. I'm, t- I'm telling you what the plot point of the film is. Okay. All right. I'm just saying. Like, that, that is a bad plot point. I, I agree. Plot point. Okay. There is no... I'm giving, no giving you the info the I'm presented with. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> there is no way in the world that the character who says, wars not make one great, there is no way in the world that character is the one that should be writing down on like 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 he's like he's in Vietnam riding down with clone troopers. Okay, there is no way like because because that, 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 that that's what the clone the the clone carrier is built like the it's built like the yeah, no 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 I know okay? it is but there's I, no reason that that character should be could be step, like be like and, and then and then giving orders. There's no reason that character should be doing that. Love the smell of blaster fire in the morning. Exactly. I do. <laughs> That character should be doing that. You've established a character in Empire Strikes Back, man, and, and I'm, the reason I'm like this because probably my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars are the Yoda Luke scenes in Empire Strikes Back because it's, it's the scenes that explain, like you know, like I've I've heard I've heard you know Al, I've heard you say a few times like you know it's it's just space wizards with later swords. We should take it that seriously. But what elevates Star Wars from just like the schlocky? 20s and 30s and like and like the the cowboy movies that's really based on is that there's never a point where john wayne sits down and discusses like oh my gosh you know what does it mean to be a warrior in this situation and star wars asks those questions and empire strikes back asks that question very very concisely and just beautifully when when you've got luke training with yoda and you're learning about what it means to be this hero in this galaxy and then in one fell swoop you just ruin all of that okay because you have to because you have to have yoda as a warrior you have to there is no like this entire this everything that happens here should be yoda reacting against all of this like the 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 better version of this movie because you've already made mace windu a jerk to begin with is mace wants to do this and yoda's like no it's a horrible idea we're we're going to regret every bit of this you know, we're gonna everything that, that we're doing, we're gonna regret. We're gonna regret getting involved in this war. We're gonna regret all this, okay? And then have him being the survivor and have to go into the exile because he was the most powerful guy that could have came from doing it. That's a story that should have been told. And it makes more sense that way. But you just, you know, once again, we gotta get from point A to point B. We've gotta get from lightsaber fight. We gotta get from, from chase 
to you know to weird romance to Obi-Wan battles Boba Fett but not really to lightsaber fight to lightsaber fight to lightsaber fight that's the point of these movies and because you do that you ruin your characters that you've you've made that are classic characters and so now you so now when you're watching Empire Strikes Back and you're like Words not make one great, you know. Don't take your lightsaber into the. Can Can you imagine the Yoda of Attack of the Clones telling Luke Skywalker not to take his lightsaber in that tree? Can you imagine that? Like that's that's just not going to happen, you know. You know, I mean, like you know, it, it just won't. You know, that Yoda would be like, no, take Dude, your, take a lightsaber take in there, take do, do some flips. Here's mine. Can I ask a follow up? Yes, sure. that. Um, so, Josh, for the p- people at home, um, allow me to ask you this. Uh, hypothetically, what would you say to somebody who would argue that the fact that Oda does essentially start the Clone Wars and that he does take on the role of being a general and a warrior and all of that, that that adds even more weight to his advice of, of war does not make one great because he's speaking that from his experience and from the mistakes he's made. How would you, how would you respond to that idea? Because, okay. So the problem, the problem with that theory is that, the whole point of Yoda, the whole point of this, okay? The first time you sit down and see the, the, the issue, the issue here is that these movies are so are so ingrained in us, or they're such a part of American culture uh, that we can't step out of them. But like when you're watching Empire Strikes Back the first time, when I watch the first time, and they're like, Luke's gonna go meet a serious Jedi Master. And you've been trained. I've grown up on Thundercats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, you know, Batman, Superman. You've been trained that, well, what that means is that Luke is going to go meet a guy who can teach him how to wield that lightsaber much better than he than he already could. And you and you get to the point, and it's a little green dude who just stops off really annoying wisdom sayings at you over and over and over again. That is, there's magic to that character. There is a, there's a, there's a view here where you could be like, yeah, this adds weight to it, but you're adding weight to it by taking away the magic of that character. Because what, because, because what that told me before all this start, before, before you, before you get to the prequels, what that told me was that there were Jedi's, okay, who were so concerned. The Jedi's are more concerned about living in a way that the force tells them to do okay and in a way that's in that's in you know complete peace with the galaxy and complete peace with what the the way of the force that there are jedi that are more concerned with that than going around and doing the cool stuff doing the doing the lightsaber fights doing the do it you know doing the uh starfighter battles all that stuff okay all right it literally changes the entire dynamic of the story. And what you've done is if you, you I mean, there, there, like I said, there is a, there's a, that, that's not a bad theory that it adds weight, but it still walks back so much of that character. 
And the and the other thing is like when you walk back that character, that character really doesn't exist anymore because there's no one like that. There's 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 no one there's no one on the Jedi Council that is saying this is not a good idea, except for Yoda after he's already done it. There's no one there to do that. And so like you've really what you've done is you've damaged the, the concept of the Jedi so much. And when Yoda is your like it, when Yoda is present as the pinnacle of the Jedi, you damage that character. Um, and so, like, yeah, I mean, they, I, that, that, that that's not a bad take. It just it just hurts the magic of the character, in my opinion, um, because because it it it's once again it's like it, it it's 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 just George it, it's it's George not understanding why these movies work. You know, these movies work because. They're an elevated form of schlock, is what they are. They're an elevated form of Flash Gordon. They're an elevated form of the cowboy movie, okay? But it's a it's a it's a cowboy, you know, space adventure where the stakes matter. It's a cowboy space adventure where the good guy wins by not killing the bad guy at the end, which would ne- which has never happened. Like there's there's no John Wayne movie out there where he just throws out his gun and is like I'm not going to fight you. That just doesn't exist. And that's how these movies end. And that's what elevates it. And George doesn't understand that in these three movies. And so, yeah, that's why you have to have Yoda show up and be like, you know, I've, I've got a little lightsaber. I'm going to jump around on it. And then, and real quick, and, uh, because cause here's the thing. I was, in, I was in the crowd. I was all into it when it happened, okay? And I'm still not totally against it, all right? But here's what I'm totally against. If you're going to have Yoda do that, he needs to wipe the floor with Count Dooku. And he's really kind of toe to toe Count Dooku in this thing. You know, mm. Dooku like, you know, like Dooku's starting to lose, but like he like it's 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 a toe to toe thing, okay? And it's especially bad when Anakin just beats the crap out of him afterwards, you know. So like that, that's just a little aside for me that I have an issue with. But but no, I mean to answer your question, I just think it, it does it, it it takes away some of the magic of the character for me um, because he is he's. The, like I said, those scenes and his character—they're—they're they're my favorites, and you know, and and it just kind of kind of hurts it when you when you're like, man, he's just really, he's just really kind of bad at everything in these, you know. And I and I can't wait till three years from now when I get to ask a question. I don't understand why Yoda and Obi Wan don't go kill Palpatine and then go and then together go kill Anakin. I can't wait to ask that question three years from now. Someone has to. Some. I'm going to need a, a big explanation from you guys on that one. Well, that is for three years from now, yeah. as you said. You know, uh, three years from now and uh, three more days, actually. Gotcha. Even so, everybody start the clock. Yeah, start the clock. <laughs> Get that countdown going. Um, we do have one thing before before we end because earlier um, the challenge was laid out to me. When I said that Alyssa was the Safodia storyline and that she is not on this podcast, um, <laughs> I and I was so told <laughs> that I need to have a storyline for each for each of us. Right. So, um, I believe that I have had this laid out pretty well. Um, Josh is very clearly um, Anakin when he does the "It's all everyone's fault." He's holding it back and he throws the thing into the other room. But while he's doing, but instead of it's Obi Wan, it's uh, it's all George Lucas's yeah, writing's fault. He's holding you back and he's throwing it <laughs> yeah. away. Um, I'm pretty sure I sound just as petulant. You 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 do. Yeah. You you definitely do. Um, 
I am Yoda when he's trading the younglings. And he's just like truly magical. The vibe of a child. That is uh, that is me. Good choice. Um, that that's real quick. Real quick. Real quick aside. Yoda is in the same. His his council chamber is in the same building as that library. Why is Yoda not walking down there? Being like, I'm sorry. Why are we removing planets? And who is removing planets? <laughs> Like why, why is that a thing? Why, and also, why does a kid notice this? And the the worst librarian in the history of the galaxy who hates hey, her job so much, you know, like who's just a jerk to Obi Wan? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, it annoyed me my parents being gay because I was like, I feel like Obi Wan could have put that together that somebody erased that. Like, why did he have to like go and like talk to the other and shit? Well, presumably, presumably Obi Wan's like, hey. Yoda's 150 feet from the library. <laughs> like, I mean, like, maybe he understands, like, he's like, could somebody sit in there? And then Yoda's like, this is truly troubling. I'm going to meditate some more. <laughs> you know, like, you know, uh, anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, Al is Obi-Wan when he is being held captive by Count Dooku, only instead of Count Dooku, he has to watch this movie over and over again. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Um, it is me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, Jenny is Zam Wessel. She was successful um, because she's just thinking about, you know, other ways that she probably could have killed Padme because yeah, you were the one that, that was like, you know, there's so many other ways they could have killed her, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. That's fair. So, yeah. You know, you know how I would have assassinated Padme? How would you have assassinated Padme? <laughs> I would have hijacked her agenda, her, like, itinerary, her schedule for that week. And I would have had her um, devote some time to actually doing her job. And the shock Ooh. of that would have killed her on the spot. Oh, oh damn. Yeah. That's, what, <laughs> that's how I would have killed Padme. Oh, man. All right, my friends. Well, <clears throat> we have talked about this movie for two hours now, almost the length of the, of the film itself. There are so many things we didn't even touch. There are. There, there, there is a, there's a lot. We didn't touch the and stereotypes that Count Dooku is like working with to build we, the Death we, Star. We didn't. We didn't talk about Geonosians at all. We didn't. You know? um, except for one possibly being the real Damon Bradley. That's true. Um, that was the one thing that we talked about. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> um but I, I believe that we have covered more than enough in this film. Um, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> also, real, like we didn't even discuss the romance. What the? We did, we discussed the romance. We discussed I mean, the awkwardness of it, but like I, that that is the romance. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, that's what, what we have. Okay, actually, no, no, no. Okay, before 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 we end, Josh, what is the best part of the romance? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's all horrible. I mean, but, but like, you know, I'm just, just saying, like, you know, there's, you know, you've got, you know, you've got so many cute moments. Like, did you want the deleted scenes with yeah. Padme's family, which is actually even more, like, I like that those scenes are the ones that Lucas was like, no, these, these are even more awkward. We can't, we can't do this. Have you ever seen those? Oh, dude. Okay, let me tell you guys. It's on Disney Plus. Just go and hit the movie. Go to extras. There is like a four minute sequence where it is Padme taking Anakin to her family house. 
and it is it is just an awkward like are you trying to have sex with my daughter kind of kind of scene <laughs> like uh, it's 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 rough to watch uh, and in response anakin is just like yes and i have the power yes. to murder your whole family if you try to stop me <laughs> Can't stop me. You know, you know the main issue with Tiger Clones mm. that will end here. What is it? No boss nass. There is no boss nass. That, that is true. I you cannot know? believe. Once it. you have a heightened character like Boss Nass, they, they, they brought back the weird bearded dude. What's his name? White bearded dude. Oh, um, uh, Silo Bibble. Yeah, yeah, Silo Bibble. Yeah, but he's like, is he in the second one? He's one. What do you think, Master Jedi? And then like he and, does. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, you're right. They brought him back for that. Well, I know he and and Boss Nass is in the third film. Yes, at, 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 the, at funeral, the funeral. Yeah. Yes, but okay. as I've said, we are ending it. Thank you all so very much. We're moving on. We're tired. Thank you all so very much for listening. Um, we are going to be doing. Moon Knight and Doctor Strange basically back to back next week because um, Lord knows we have a lot to talk about on both of those. Um, I'm probably going to take the week and rewatch Moon Knight again. I don't again. have any opinions on either one. You don't have any opinions on either one, really? That's going to be okay. crazy. Well, you can just sit there and listen to the rest of us uh, and rant, and I'm sure it'll be as quiet as a little church mouse exactly. over there. Sure. Thank you all so much once again for watching. Watching, good Lord, listening. It's an audio-based show. Audio-based show. (laughs) You guys have a wonderful evening. Remember that Phantom is for everyone. We'll see you all next time.